Okay, so we're going to set the context for the sermon in this way. Um, th- thinking historically for just a moment. What, one of the big changes that took place as a result of the Protestant Reformation, in terms of just the, the aesthetic of the worship venue, uh, one of the big things that took place is a pulpit was moved from the side to the center, and the Lord's Supper, the communion table, was moved in a worshiping context from the center to the side. Uh, that took place in many Protestant churches, and it took place in Protestant churches, not in any way to diminish the significance and centrality of the Lord's Supper, but that took place in order to purposefully make sure that it was the Word of God that was being elevated in the midst of congregational worship, which of course is the most important thing for us to understand if we're going to even do things like administer the Lord's Supper well. What must we know most of all? Well, we must know what the Lord says to us. And how do we know what God says to us? From, from whence does God speak? Well, He speaks to us from His Scriptures. And so one of the ways that manifested itself as a result of the Protestant Reformation and a recovery of biblical authority in that way is the pulpit was moved to the center, not so much to hold up the preacher's sermon notes, uh, but in order to elevate the Scriptures, which we all, preacher and people included, find ourselves under on Sunday morning. Uh, there's, a, there's a purposeful elevation of the Word of God in our worship and centrality of the Word of God in our worship uh, because it is from this place that the Lord reveals His way to us. And, and, so, and so we know about that. We've talked about that before. But I say all that to just help set the tone for the preaching portion of our service today. Because today we're going to be under the book, as it were, about in a, just a little bit of a different way than we normally are. Uh, typically, uh, just like you're used to, our program of preaching is to take a portion of Scripture and work through that portion verse by verse, uh, week by week, explaining and applying the biblical truth that's there. Uh, th- this morning, in a way, we're still going to do that, but what we'll do is we're going to take uh, this, this authoritative, scriptural, poetic example from the beginning of Psalm 105 that we read, and more than focus on the deep details of Psalm 105 and come under the Scriptures in that way, instead, we're going to respond to the example of Psalm 105 and do what it says uh, with a particular focus on our immediate context and application. So, so Psalm 105 is a poem that uniquely focuses on God's kindness toward His people, And what we're going to do is is we're going to use this paradigm of praise that's here at the beginning of this psalm just to help fuel and stimulate our own response to God and His kindness toward us, especially as we think over this past 14 and a half, 15 months of, of pandemic life that we've been navigating together as a local church. We're going to recognize how this psalm can provide us with a contemporary framework to respond to the many different manifestations of God's kindness among us as we reflect on this last year. And and you can just notice the usefulness of the psalm along these lines, uh, just in the way the beginning exhortation of the psalm frames things so so generally. And and you can look at the text and notice what's there. So verse 1, what do we read? Well, God's people are, are called to do something. And we're called to give thanks to the Lord and continue to rely on Him, proclaiming His deeds among the people. So there's this general call to declare the wonderful things that God has done. Verse 2, what are we called to do? Well, we're called to sing about those same things. Sing about all His wondrous works. Uh, so, So again, there's this posture of thanksgiving and proclamation wrapped up in that call to worship. And then in verse 3, what do we read? But, but this call to boast in His holy name. 
Why are we okay as God's people? Well, why have we been able to come through this year as God's people? Why are, we, why are we still existing in a spirit of unity in these things that we're going to talk about today? Is it because we've done so well this year? Thank you very much. No. Where's our boast? Our boast is in the kindness of God toward us in this year. And so verse 3 helps us think about that. Verse 4, we're called to continue to seek the Lord and His strength. We're dependent people. We're not operating out of our own strength as his people. And then the beginning of verse 5, we're called to remember. Remember. Uh, the same thing, actually, we were called to, to, uh, to, to, to proclaim and then sing about in verses 1 and 2. Remember the wondrous works of the Lord. Remember all that God has done. And so when you put all that together, what you have is this poetic uh, compulsion to worship and that worship is centered on speaking about the wonderful things that the Lord has done from a posture of thankful, dependent joy. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to think about, speak about the wondrous things that the Lord has done from this posture of, of thankful and dependent joy. And, and while that posture of worship, just like as in Psalm 105, while that reaches its climax in terms of the faithful, promise-keeping work of God in salvation, we also recognize that that posture of worship informs us on a day-to-day -day basis as we see the workings of God in our life in wonderful ways as He maintains us and preserves us and holds us up, which is why the Apostle Paul can finish the first letter to the Thessalonians. And what does he tell them to do? Rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in everything. This whole framework for our lives is one of responding to God in these kind of ways. And so this morning, we're going to come under this biblical example from the beginning of Psalm 105, and, and in a way, uh, we're, we're going to do this that's uniquely related to our congregation as Christ Church Selwood, and in a way that's related to these last 15 months that we've, that we've come through as His people uh, continuing to persevere in terms of all that's gone on. So, so we're going to take our time to speak about the wonderful things that the Lord has done from a posture of thankful, dependent joy, and we're going to do that uh, because over these last 15 months, since, since the beginning of being separated by, by distance and then having those Zoom gatherings online and then having two services for I don't remember how long now, not being able to be all together, over, over these past 14 months, we have been brought through, no doubt, some of, if not the very most strange days of our lives to date. And yet, and yet, here we are, maintained by Christ, back together, worshiping, united under the banner of the gospel. So, so in a way, it's not back to normal yet, and we understand that. There's still, there's still things in place, but what a thing to be able to do just even one service this morning. What a thing to be able to talk about being able to be together in person in small groups again as we think about that in the coming weeks. And, and so given this refreshing blessing that we can start enjoying again, what else could we do as God's people except give Him thanks? What, what, what could be more appropriate for us to engage in on a Sunday morning like this except to praise Him and thank Him for the kindness that He's extended to us? And so that's what we're going to do this morning. The psalmist says, proclaim the Lord's mighty deeds. We're going to proclaim the Lord's mighty deeds as they relate to our own context, life together as a local church, and we're going to remember the wondrous works that He's done. That's what we're going to boast in the Lord. So here we go. Are you ready? Number one. Tell about His wondrous works, okay? The first thing we're going to speak about is how God has provided for us materially and physically over the past 15 months. We need to think about the kindness of God in that. So, so we can start just in relationship to jobs. As a church, 
There have certainly been some financial ups and downs for some of us over this last uh, period of many months, from, from facing potential layoffs um, to, to, to paycheck reductions, impacted avenues of, of work coming in. We felt the element of job stress in our congregation. That is a very real fact. But when we pan out and think about this past year, as we think about the shutdowns, as we think about the economic impact that, that certain industries have uniquely experienced, as we think about the fact that so much of the world came to a screeching halt only to scramble to start everything back up again, as we think about all those things, we consider them from a place of material provision. That the Lord has been kind to us, and we haven't gone hungry, and we haven't had debilitating joblessness in our congregation. The Lord has provided for us in material ways. And the Lord hasn't just maintained us materially, but, but He's also maintained us physically with regard to our health. That many of us, if not all of us at this point, have at least some personal knowledge probably of a person who's, whose health has been significantly impacted by COVID-19. Maybe it's a family member who's close, a friend who's far away. We all have those connections. And while that impact of the virus continues to be very present in, in different ways, we should recognize that over this last year, we have been spared at least the very harsh hardships of physical sickness in our congregation. It's really an amazing thing. The Lord has kept us in a unique way along those lines. And we can't minimize the fact that, that while the threat of significant physical harm is, has been present over this last year, our health remains intact. And, and so we tell about the wondrous works of the Lord and that He's been kind to us, not just with jobs, but He's been kind to us with health. I joked all throughout this thing, I just didn't want to be one of those pastors who got in the newspaper uh, for, for, for not being careful enough in these kinds of things, worry about our witness being uh, disrupted and things like that. The Lord has been kind to us just in the physical reality of our life together, being relatively smooth in that way. Obviously, there have been tensions here and there, but, but what a wonderful thing. And so... We want to be able to acknowledge that, speak about these deeds of God, boast in the fact the Lord has been kind to us in these ways. And then just along the lines of material and physical provision, I mean, this could go on all day and we won't, but I'll say one more. Uh, as a congregation, God has also provided us a place to physically meet together throughout a lot of this time. So, so we've had to do so with, with quite the run of services that are limited to 25 people or whatever it is. We've had to do some, some jumping jacks in terms of working it all out and, and, and making sure it all comes together. But the Lord has provided us a place to be together in that way. Were we to be meeting in a school, like many churches who don't have their own buildings uh, have to regularly do in what is normally a wonderful venue to do that in, were we to have been meeting in a school, we couldn't have been together all of this time. For the weeks that we've been able to, uh, to enjoy the company of the saints, though split services and all that like it's been, that is a unique blessing that we need to be thankful for. The Lord's provided in this very physical, albeit strange, uh, way, but we haven't lost real life contact, even in our worship gatherings, which is a wonderful thing to be thankful for. And so, and so these are just a few ways. We, we want to honor the Lord in the midst of our congregation and reflect on God's kindness toward us in the realm of physical and material provision this year. Jobs, health, places, a place to meet. It's not that there haven't been hardships in those realms, but here we sit today as those who have been provided for. We've been sustained. Here we are gathered together as a local church. This is the Lord's kindness to us. And we praise Him for that. You praise Him for that at home. It's a point of praise around the table with your family. It's a point of praise to share with your friends. We're so thankful for how kind God has been in those ways. So, 
material and physical provision. Secondly, we also know that the Lord has provided for us spiritually during this time. We have been able uh, to continue with spiritual nourishment. And, and in no particular order, the, the first way we can recognize the spiritual provision from God is in the gospel unity we have continued to share over this last 15 months. And in terms of everything we're talking about this morning, this may be, is the, this is the one that brought tears to my eyes, even as I was thinking, putting it together. Uh, we, we have walked through a year that included a global pandemic, not just a global pandemic, but we've walked through a year that has been one of the most uh, politically volatile and vitriolic elections in our country's history, just politically speaking. We've had riots in our city. And then to top all that off, we had all these wildfires come in that made it seem like we're living on the edge of Mordor. This has been a year full of extraordinary tensions in our lives. And because we're individuals with our own perspectives and our own histories and our own mental faculties, our own uh, will of thinking and all of these things, we have not viewed all of these circumstances in the same way. Different points of view are present among us. We, we, We do not all view all that's gone on in the same way. We do not all vote in the same way. That's okay as Christian believers. We, we, don't all, we don't all view the pandemic and the social and political dynamics, all of these things, from the, from the same perspective. And yet, we have not had one ounce of disunity in our congregation under the banner of the gospel the whole time. That's astounding. That's astounding. You should say amen. Do that. Say amen. Yeah. That's a glorious fruit of the Holy Spirit among us. That is a blessing from God. For that we boast in the Lord in a way that may be the most tangible expression of not just God's kindness to us as a church to date, but also the ministry of the Holy Spirit among us as we do this gospel life together. And I, and I know this is a, an extraordinary blessing because, for one thing, I, and I tell you this, but I, I teach this preaching class on Zoom for the Mennonite Brethren, and there are, there are pastors on there from California to Kansas who we have opportunities to, to engage. And in talking with those pastors, I tell you, the unity we have enjoyed this year is not the norm. It is not the norm. And I know you know that, but it's good to say it out loud. And God's purposes are in all of it for those congregations who have struggled in this way. It's the Lord's hand to help them grow and and all of these things. But God has been kind to us. And you have been a congregation of people that have displayed the fruit of the Holy Spirit, unified under the Lordship of Jesus Christ as your main thing. And the reality of that. Is, is, is a present taste, ultimately, of the future and eternal joy that we're going to share as His people as we gather around the throne, people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, saying, holy is the Lamb. It's a glorious fruit that we've been able to taste just a little bit of here in our congregation over these past months. We can speak about the wonderful things that the Lord has done from a posture of thankful, dependent joy as we consider the spiritual blessing of congregational unity that we all share. We're sad for the folks who've moved this year. We've had a number of people move over this year, which of course is sorrowful, but not one instance was one of of disunity or disruption. The moves were always for different reasons. And even in that, we have so much cause for rejoice. We have a gospel community that's centered on the Lord Jesus and revels in the kindness and love that the Lord Jesus works in our hearts, which which is a wonderful thing. What a great kindness to us. Which just ultimately demonstrates that your, your united high view of Jesus 
is bigger than politics, is bigger than pandemics, is bigger than social disorder, all the other things that are swirling around, which could be a hotbed of tension. Your corporate high view of Jesus is bigger. This demonstrates that, and praise God for that. Praise God for that. So there's that, the unity we share. What a wonderful spiritual blessing. And then, then, uh, just to continue to... Think about the spiritual blessing and nourishment that God has granted over us this year. His kindness to us is also reflected just in the continued opportunity we've had to be under His Word and studying His truth throughout the pandemic, even for those 90 days or so uh, that, that we weren't able to be together in person. And, and, and you know this is hard for me to say. This is like he whose name shall not be spoken. But, but God provided, provided through us through Zoom. <clears throat> but He did. But he did. What a wonderful thing that we were able to be together, though distanced physically. We could be united in that time in order to worship, come under the word, as Michael led us, as many people led us. But Michael spent all those weeks leading us in song uh, as we came under the scriptures together, thinking about Psalms and Proverbs and how do we navigate the world around us as things are spinning out, all of these things. That we were not removed uh, from the nurture that comes through the scriptures open for us and sung about and all of those things, which again is a great grace of God to us. As we just think about everything we were able to engage in, not just on, on Sunday mornings via Zoom, but, uh, but from our, uh, the parenting classes, we had great discussions during those time, from the, the Zoom studies, the book studies with regard to uh, spiritual disciplines and, and, uh, and evangelism and, and even politics, those different things we were able to consider. All of those things are a wonderful provision of God in that we could continue to be together even though separation at so many levels was required. A while back, I think it was in a member meeting, I was trying to remember, but I read you a quote from Richard Baxter, who was a minister in the 17th century, and, and he talked in his, in his very, very big first volume book on pastoral care, he talked about how there were times uh, that, that his congregation, that people in England, had to be removed from one another as a congregation due to plagues that were, that were going through. And, and in that era, removed was, was removed all the way. And he said, we need to be removed for the safety of the people, all of these kinds of things. Um, but removed was removed. They didn't get to be together. They didn't get to come under the word together. They didn't get to have book studies on Zoom. We, though, however, were in this wonderful place of still being able to remain connected at, at some level. Though Zoom fatigue certainly sets in and all of those things. But that spiritual provision extends in a way that, that we, we can be very thankful for. And then we just think about the, the practical side of that too, that whether to put this under the physical or the spiritual provision, just the fact that we've been able to be together in ways that build one another up when it, during a time of separation. I mean, you think through the, the drive-by birthday things that were organized for the kids and those kind of things, provision for, uh, for, for people sending Grubhub gift cards when, when there was a new baby, all, all of those kinds of things, the connections that could still take place. God has provided for us uh, in our maintenance of gospel life, and we give thanks to the Lord and tell about His wondrous deeds. We boast in Him in these things. So, the Lord's provided for us materially, physically, spiritually in our life together. And again, any one of those lists, we could just stand here all day and go, and then I could open up the floor to you, and you could stand there all day and go. There's so much we could say. So, those, But those, we'll do those three. And then, one last thing to think about this morning just like we see in glancing through the rest of Psalm 105, and notice how, how the people of God are in so much absolute need of the help of God all the way through this psalm, which of course is the picture that we're given all through the scriptures. There's that, 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 that neediness that's reflected in us as God's people. Uh, we do have that call to seek the Lord and His strength there in verse 4, as, as we see the neediness of, of the people throughout this psalm. 
And so, and so just as a, a final point of reflection for us, um, the necessity of the Lord's provision gives us cause not, not just to be thankful for His material and physical and spiritual kindness, but it also gives us cause to remember our very continued and present dependence upon Him. So, so He has been kind, and we continue to trust in His care, not presuming upon His grace, but on our knees acknowledging the fact that we are needy people. Tim and Kathy Keller have a, have a wonderful book on marriage. If you haven't read it, it'd, it'd be useful to read it. I, Julie and I have used it in premarital counseling. And if we don't do a premarital session for very long, you can tell in our marriage because we need to reread the book. But, uh, but, but it's a wonderfully helpful book. Uh, and I want to read you one illustration that they use in that book with reference to marriage but because it's just applicable uh, in, in so many ways. We can apply it to our year, but I want to share this, this illustration with you. So he says this. Think of an old bridge over a stream. Imagine that there are structural defects in the bridge that are hard to see. There may be hairline fractures that a very close inspection would reveal, but to the naked eye, there is nothing wrong. But now see a 10-ton Mack truck drive onto the bridge. What will happen? Those, the pressure from the weight of the truck will open those hairline fractures so they can be seen. The structural defects will be exposed for all to see because of the strain the truck puts on the bridge. Suddenly, you can see where all the flaws are. The truck didn't create the weakness, it revealed them. And then he goes on to make this connection. He says, when you get married, your spouse is a big truck driving right through your heart. Marriage brings out the worst in you. It doesn't create your weakness, it reveals them. And then he says, this is not a bad thing. This is not a bad thing. So, while that illustration works very well in terms of describing how, how marriage reveals things in us, it's also an illustration that works well as we apply it to our last year. Uh, in, in reflection too. Because when we face circumstances that put extra pressure on our lives, the fractures that can still exist in our heart do become more pronounced. And, and this last year has had many 10-ton uh, Mack truck moments to drive across our lives. And, and, and just as in the case of, of marriage, which is where he's going with the illustration, but just as in that case, our own circumstances of this past year can reveal cracks. And it's not a bad thing that those cracks are revealed because it's under those pressures that God does His unique transformational work in our hearts. That The pressure is actually something God uses, uh, again, just in like marriage, like He does in marriage, He uses those areas of pressure to help us grow in Christ-likeness, which we briefly touched on last week when we talked about the Lord's discipline in our lives. It actually proves that we're His children as we go through seasons where the pressure is uniquely felt, where there's that weight that comes to bear on us. And as we reflect on this last year, we have no doubt, just upon personal reflection, we've no doubt felt weaknesses. Cracks are there for all of us. We've been united in the gospel, but the pandemic certainly brings about things like anxieties. I'll just speak from my own position. It brings about things like anxieties. It's easy, isn't it, for fear to boil over in our hearts at times, wondering what's going to come next in the craziness of the world that's around us. It's easy to have those things start to percolate in our hearts. And then the politics and social disorder, it's so easy to look out at the world and, and have it seem just so out of control, so fractured, so crushed, and, 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 and there's those general concerns. What is going to happen? Where is justice? How is it even going to look? Where's my place in engaging with these kinds of things? Those weights, they sit on us. And, and then there's other uh, basic concerns of life. The job is here today, but what about tomorrow? 
I read about the ups and downs of the economy right now and all of these kinds of things. How are we going to navigate school for the kids as this year ends and, and next year begins? There's questions of, of relationships that have been stressed by being together with family members in one house for so long. You know about those kinds of things? There's tensions that exist in relationships for having not seen certain family members in so long. This is a year when tensions are very real for us. These things continue to weigh on us. They can be like that 10-ton Mack truck making the cracks evident of how easy Jared falls into worry, of how easy I can find myself exasperated by social concerns around me, how easy the, the splendor and sovereignty of Christ over all things can be obstructed by the immediacies of the pressures that are weighing on my hearts. We feel our weaknesses. And that weakness is a moment in which we are able to have a point of gospel recalibration. It's, it's a good thing to feel the weight of those scenarios in our life because in our weakness, we are given that opportunity to continue to bring our mind under a post, in this posture of dependence, under the one who has shown himself so gracious this past year. Even as we read through the, the Psalms, especially, you have it in Habakkuk and, and in the New Testament as well. It would be a wonderful study just to sit down and do a theology of remembering from the Scriptures. The psalmist, as he's remembering things, is often remembering God's kindness in times of deepest distress because in bringing those kindnesses to mind, our hearts are refreshed with the reality that God is actually the one who does preserve us. He does keep us when these things are so weighty. And He has shown Himself gracious when we pan out, even like Psalm 105 is ultimately driving at, when we pan out, there is the absolute faithfulness of God and His redemptive activity to save us from this fallen and broken world. That will, that will continue to persist, that truth continues to persist, no matter the worries, no matter the anxieties, no matter those things that weigh us down as we come to Him in this posture of dependence. I mean, Paul makes it clear, doesn't he, that, that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation, anything else in all creation, that means you that means pandemic, that means government agent, that means whatever. Anything else in all creation, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. If this year had gone by and we had had tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, deep strife in our congregation that we had to work through, all these things. If this year had gone by and that would have been our reality, we could still come to Psalm 105 and say, remember the wondrous works that he's done. Because he's the God who preserves us in the neediest of our conditions. And we're brought to a place of remembering that as we reflect on this year and just see how real our posture of dependence really is. We feel our weakness. We feel our frailty. And yet, look at how kind God has been to us in preserving us. Jesus has proved himself the king of tomorrow's worries. He's proved himself as the one who reigns over all earthly and social political dominions. Jesus is the powerful one. And he saves us and he keeps us. And he keeps us in manifold exp uh, ways, exercises of his wisdom. Manifold ways he uses in order to keep us. But just given the occasion of this Sunday morning, I want to talk about one big way, just in closing, that he keeps us. And it's this, and you probably know what I'm going to say. He gives us each other. 
This is how He maintains us, builds us up, preserves us in our weakness. He gives us each other. He brings us into the family of God. He sets us down in local congregations of those who love Jesus so that rather than live out this discipleship in isolation and removed from God's people, instead we're brought into the family of God's people where all together we are made whole in Christ and serve and are served in a way that bring people along in persevering faith, lift people up when we're down, exercise the gifts that God has given in these ways ultimately that reflects Christ's kind care for us individually and corporately as members of His church. He gives us one another. And as we come back together on this Sunday, and as we think about gathering for the upcoming small groups that we're going to start uh, June 7th, is that the Monday? They're coming up a week from this Monday. As we think about those opportunities, we, as we come together for the mutual edification of the saints, we recognize this is such a privilege and this is such a necessity. We need Sunday mornings together. I need you, you need me, you need them, they need you. We need each other and we need to be used up for each other. This is part of gospel living. And today marks a unique day for us to affirm the togetherness that punctuates our lives as gospel people. Those who follow Jesus are not isolationists. Those who follow Jesus are congregationalists. I don't mean that in the church government form of the thing. But we're we're those who congregate. We're those who come together in a way that reflects the love of Jesus Christ in our congregation and acknowledges the fact that for me to grow, my growth will not take place without you. That is how Christ designed it. For your to, your, you to grow, your growth will not take place without her. We need each other in order to be preserved and, 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 and uh, built up along this way of faith. And so as we come together this morning, we recognize God has been so kind to us. I mean, we, we can't, there's so many ways we could count that God has shown kindness to us in this last year as a local church. So many ways he's been kind. And in all of that, we feel our dependence. We feel our need for Him. We feel the fact that we have weakness, that we need the help of one another, that loneliness can set in, that opportunities for service can be so easily passed up because it's just easier to stay home because I'm used to it, all of these kinds of things. But at the same time, we also recognize that for our good and ultimately for God's glory, we need each other. We need to be together. And as we're compelled in that way, as we're compelled in that way, what happens? Except we continue to have all these manifest reasons to rejoice in the Lord as He brings us along in the way of salvation. It's just an amazing thing. We're here today, gathered together, because Christ has preserved us. And now that we have this opportunity to be together, we want to remember that this is a main way He continues to exercise His grace in our lives. And so we give thanks. We give thanks that we can be ministers and be ministered to. The encouraging words you share after a Sunday service, the ongoing care and concern you show in small group, the encouraging words you receive after a Sunday service, the, the, the ongoing care and concern you, you provide and, and receive yourself in small group, all of those things uh, reflects the fact that this following Jesus business is people being together business. And as we're called to that, as we're able to re-engage in that carefully, but genuinely, we want to have that in our minds uh, constantly as, as, a, as a reality of our gospel ministry. So, all that to say, 
Be careful with time here because we could go on about all these things. But all that to say, we have reason to praise God for his kindness to us. We have reason to boast in the Lord as a local congregation. He has been kind. You are people who reflect a genuine newness of heart. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is active among you. It's active among us. And for that, we can go home today. We can have lunch. We can talk about things with our family. We can look out on whatever in the world next week holds. Who knows? We can go into all that absolutely assured of the purposes of Christ being worked out in our lives individually and corporately together as his people. And so we give thanks. We praise. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, uh, we, we, we boast in the Lord. We boast in your wondrous works. We boast in your kindness. We boast in your preserving power. We boast, Lord Jesus, that you're our shepherd who brings us through valleys and into green pastures. We boast that you preserve us, and most of all, O oh God, we boast that come what may, no matter whatever comes, nothing can separate us from the eternal blessing that's ours, because Jesus Christ purchased it for us on the cross. In that we rejoice, we will always rejoice, and we will always have cause for rejoicing. And so, Father, we ask that our hearts would be renewed in this this morning, that we would be uh, stimulated in a way that reflects gospel ministry anew, and we're thankful that we could be together to do this. In Jesus' name. Amen.